0: Stuff podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright, and welcome to the Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called "The Great Wellington Flat Hunt." It's by Dominion Post reporter Ethan Order, who joins me now. Hi, Ethan. Hi, Michael. So the Great Wellington Flat Hunt, uh, why is this a hunt exactly? Tell us Tell us what's going on here.
1: I suppose it's a hunt because the prey is so difficult to catch. The Wellington Flat Market is insane, and that's not just for students, of course. It's, it's anybody, but particularly people with lower incomes or um, people on income support. You know, when you're paying upwards of... a week for a flat. Uh, It's very difficult to do as well as study. And everybody comes back at the beginning of the year. And so there's a lot of competition at that time.
0: Yeah. So this won't be news necessarily to people who follow the news, like the Wellington flat market. We have written stories about that before, but you've kind of taken a new approach here with this feature. So tell us about your setup and, and how you present the story here.
1: Yeah I mean, on some level we've all many of us have experienced this uh, looking for a flat. but I think what a lot of people don't realize is just how difficult it's gotten. So the I mean the intention behind following people as they looked was to kind of show like in painstaking detail almost, everything you have to do, you know the hours spent in some cases every day, uh, just refreshing on trademe or on you know various Facebook groups. To inquire at flats the moment they come up, just sending off tens of messages, upwards of a hundred messages, inquiring, asking to view a place, um, and then attending tens of viewings, and and still not getting any offers. Yeah, I just wanted to bring home for people really how difficult it is. It's not like ten years ago, say when I was studying, um, when it was it's the situation where you could be a little disorganised and maybe find a place in a couple of weeks still, um, these are people who are looking for months and still don't find anywhere, and in some cases, therefore, have to abandon their studies or um, you know, transfer away from Wellington, as is the case for one person in this piece.
0: Yeah, so we are about to hear from five different people who you've followed, I'm guessing, over weeks, or in some cases, months, and... Yeah, the outcomes for them all vary. Not not everybody gets what they're looking for here. You've been in this position before, as you say, you know, 10 years or so ago. What did you learn following you know, the people who came in your footsteps trying to do the same thing you were doing in such different circumstances?
1: Yeah, what I quickly realized, things have changed, but in some cases not property managers and landlords are often just the worst <laughs> you know the takeaway from from this reporting and and lots of other reporting around the rental market is we need tighter regulation or really any regulation of property managers and and landlords um I maybe don't want to spoil what happens in the story in in one case but there's a tenant who you know almost goes to the tenancy tribunal and so they're they're looking for a flat with while dealing with that, and they tell me about one they're about to view, and um, they send me the listing, and so happens that I lived in that flat nine years ago um, as a flat in Ara Valley, and yeah, so they're you know it's one that's high on their list. They're excited, and and then I see it and I realize actually when we left that flat, the landlord um, tried to make us pay for a rotting deck, you know tried to really take all of our um, bond basically so we ended up taking that person to the tribunal and um and and winning and getting our bond back but I was just like oh no this is this is a hopeful scenario for them but turns out that the house had been sold to someone else um you know a few years ago
0: that's good I thought you're going to tell me it's the same landlord and they're still trying to get tenants to pay for the the rotting debt no
1: um Yeah, I actually ended up going with them to this viewing and uh, it was sort of like, it went against everything you hear about landlords, actually. This guy was lovely. Um, You know, it was sort of like a family there showing people around, um, which surprised me and the student.
0: All right, thanks, Ethan. On that slightly depressing note, here is Ethan with a little strong language reading his story, The Great Wellington Flat Hunt.
1: We believe... This is the perfect home for us. Elizabeth Hodgson copies and pastes this sentence into every email or message to a property manager or tenant. Two dozen such requests for viewings during the first weeks of her flat hunt end with that line. Yet every time it's true. The villa with the gorgeous bay window, and outdated 1950s kitchen, is the perfect home. A recently converted office block apartment is the perfect home. Even a house which reeks of damp is, potentially, the perfect home. Ask any student renter in Wellington and they'll tell you. The perfect home, at a certain point, is whatever rental you're offered. It's mid-October and Hodgson still has the illusion of choice. The second-year film student lives in the halls and is searching for her first-ever flat, a four-bedroom house to share with her three best friends. Sign a lease before trimester ends, they are warned, even if that means paying thousands of dollars in rent for an unused house over summer. One house appears more perfect than others. Light, spacious, and just a 5-minute walk from Massey University's Wallace Street campus with a friend's study. And at $909 a week, it's more affordable than most rentals. Hodgson is looking at her sixth Wellington flat. The viewing, she estimates, lasts minutes. With a queue of 30 other prospective renters trailing down the driveway, there isn't time for a closer inspection. The timing seems off. The move-in date, just two weeks away, would mean double rent at the halls for roughly a month. But, walking down the driveway, the friends convince each other to apply anyway. They adapt an online template for job applicants as a flat-hunting CV, Don't be afraid to brag in your application, friends tell them. In the same way a master's degree often leads to an entry-level job, a barrel of academic awards might get you a lease. The flatmates-to-be list prizes and scholarships in their bios, each ending on a personal statement packed with dutiful synonyms. Tidy, clean, respectful, responsible. Then they hit send. And nothing happens. Until a week later, when the flat group chat pings with confirmation of an offer. Hodgson cries when she reads the screenshotted email. This was too easy, she remembers thinking. Within days, they sign the paperwork and move in. And that's when the whole thing falls apart. A rickety loft bed frame in one of the bedrooms seems as if it might also fall apart, and doesn't even fit a single mattress. If you did use it to sleep, your head would be inches from mould, they realise. Instead, Hodgson's flatmate froze down a mattress on the living room floor. Crevice by crevice, the house reveals its imperfections. More mould in dark corners. An ant infestation elsewhere. The property management company ignores emails at first, then offers them a different rental, $100 out of budget. By December, the flatmates realise they will need to look for a new flat, while trying to break the lease on the current one. They consult a student advocate about taking the landlord to the tenancy tribunal, Hodgson goes home to Tauranga for Christmas and, before she does, packs her belongings, all of them. She arranges to move in with Wellington-based cousins in the new year, rather than return to the flat. The day before she leaves, however, the flatmates receive an email. Their landlord has struck first, bringing a claim against them before the tribunal. The scariest afternoon of my life, Hodgson will say later. Now we need to find something quick, or we'll be homeless, she says. It's like, apply for everything. Even real-in-the-dump's houses, or ones that are super far away from uni. We just need something, literally anything. Around the same time, Alice Cole was also leaving Wellington for Tauranga, her hometown, except she wouldn't be coming back. Enrolling at Victoria University the year before was like fulfilling a dream. She first visited Wellington as an adolescent, and afterwards set her sights on studying in the capital. The first seven months lived up to every expectation. Now, Cole wants independence from the student halls a flat in the inner-city suburbs. Along with six friends, the sociology and philosophy student begins browsing rental ads in September. The next month, the group are attending viewings, back to back to back. After a week on that treadmill, Cole starts to waver. On average, she reckons, rooms are going for $250 a week, without expenses. That's a lot of money, she says, for a flat that's either quite far away from uni or an absolute shithole. Her brother, she knows, is paying around half as much for a flat in Hamilton. And that's not surprising. Wellington has often been called the worst place in the country for renters. Over the last five years, the median rent in the region has gone up by 50% from $400 a week to $600, according to rental bond data from Tenancy Services. At the same time, the median rent in the Waikato region has gone up by 42%, but is still $135 a week cheaper on average. That discrepancy made Cole think. And those thoughts turned into idle browsing on Waikato University's website, and conversations with her parents about a transfer. Ultimately, the decision came down to rent. I felt like the sensible thing was to go somewhere cheaper, she says. As the study year in Wellington draws to a close, it seems like her friends are spending more time searching for a flat than preparing for end-of-year exams. And yet, Cole feels guilty. With one fewer person in the group, certain flats are eliminated. I felt like I was letting them down, she says. Rebecca Schultz can relate to that feeling. The postgraduate classics student looks for larger flats with five or six friends in various configurations. Keeping across the fluid arrangements is confusing. One by one, friends drop out, taking single rooms elsewhere instead leaving Schultz and her friend as a twosome. It puts a strain on friendships, she says. In some ways, it's a very impersonal thing, and then it becomes personal, because they're your friends. No one is inherently doing anything wrong, but it can still be quite hurtful. The series of events which led to her search will be familiar for many students. Firstly, The landlord signaled a $50 a week rent increase at their current four-bedroom flat. Spread across five people, including one couple, that equaled $10 a week more per person. Then the couple decided to leave, meaning $40 a week more per person. Schultz can call on hard-earned savings, but decides $275 a week is more than she can justify. It's early January and time is running out. She has to leave her current flat next week. If she doesn't sign a lease in time, she'll go to Auckland where her family live and continue the search remotely. That'll be ten times harder, she tells herself. Instead, she pounds pavement, attending viewings all around Wellington. Te Aro, Wellington Central, Faundin, Calburn Mount Victoria, and Mount Cook. But at the end of the week, she still doesn't have any offers. The prospect of finding a room begins to feel remote. Now in Auckland, she considers drastic alternatives. I'm getting disillusioned with the whole process, she says. I might not come back.
0: Hi, Michael Wright here. If you're enjoying this podcast, maybe you'd like to check out one of our others. Collapse is the story of the CTV building, which collapsed in the Christchurch earthquake in 2011, killing 115 people. We have a building on fire with persons trapped that we're trying to get out. It's the story of one tragedy in a city full of them, about how a building went up. It shouldn't have got through council. How it came down. And this level collapsed first. The people who were saved. She went from, I'm going to die, to a realisation, I'm going to live. And the 115 who weren't. This is a grown man in tears, because they couldn't rescue these people. It's also a story about a search for the truth. Why did one unremarkable office building in the central city collapse like no other? How did almost two-thirds of Christchurch's entire earthquake death toll die in this one building? And most of all, was anyone responsible? Go to stuff.co.nz slash collapse, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: If I don't get fire service here soon, they're going to die from the fire. For Morgan Teague, move-out day begins with confusion. By the end of the day, There's pizza on the pavement. It's a Saturday in late January. Teague, who uses they-them pronouns, is facing an impossible weekend. Work commitments, an uncle's birthday, a busy flat viewing calendar, as well as moving their stuff. They start work early, in order to also finish early, and attend the birthday celebration then realise they've mixed up the dates and the birthday is tomorrow. Later, their former flatmates help them drop a few possessions, before movers arrive to take the rest of them. Except the movers show up early. Teague isn't moving into a new flat. Despite more than 70 inquiries and 30 viewings over three months, they are unable to find one before their lease ends. And so, instead, they are moving into a hostel, $170 a week. Movers for an hour are $240. The storage unit comes to $180 a month. Constant life disruptions, viewing after viewing, rejection after rejection, are more taxing. I know it's a numbers game, Teague says. There are so many other people looking. It's nothing personal against you, but it feels a bit personal. At the end of the day, they buy a pizza to bring back to the hostel, but on the walk back, they drop it on the concrete. A very small problem, I realize, Teague says. It was just like one small thing on top of another, and that was too much. Ava, not her real name has few options if she doesn't find a flat soon. Crashing on a friend's couch when her lease runs out seems more likely by the day. The stress is intense and familiar. She hadn't flattered before she came to Wellington two years ago, but this isn't her first experience of housing insecurity. Ava grew up in an abusive household. Once, when she was nine, her mother kicked her out for a whole night, for no apparent reason, then intermittently threatened her with eviction during her teens. Ava took to sleeping with a grab bag, in case something happened overnight. She's no longer in contact with her parents. The pseudonym in this story is for her own protection. Ava was assigned male at birth, and often experienced transphobia in her flat search. There's a little look in their eyes sometimes, she says. You just know, you're not going to get that flat. And it really sucks. Ava's budget at her current flat is razor thin. And chronic pain and exhaustion mean she can't take on part-time work as students often must, to make ends meet. Jobs I can do, I'm not qualified for, she says. And the jobs I qualify for, I can't physically do. Her weekly living costs payment from StudyLink barely covers rent, leaving $35 a week for food and a coin-operated laundry service. Week by week, the money adds onto her student loan balance, and lines the pockets of her landlord. It's a common problem. The maximum amount any student, not living with parents, qualifies for through the Student Allowance and Accommodation Supplement is $370 a week, according to the New Zealand Union of Students Association. Students can borrow $240 for weekly living costs, as Ava does. The cost of living in Wellington, meanwhile, is $460 a week for a single student. Student advocates have long called for a universal student income, a weekly allowance based on the cost of living and available to all students. Ava agrees with that policy and has other suggestions. I feel like landlords are out of control in this country and the government needs to take action. Whether that's higher taxes for people with multiple properties, or installing a maximum rent rate and a rental warrant of fitness, a lot of flats are just abominable. By February, Elizabeth Hodgson and her flatmates have gone through mediation with their landlord, who pays out $1,000 in compensation, slightly more than a week's rent, which they also continue paying. In the meantime, Hodgson starts as the co-president of the Massey at Wellington Students Association. It's been surreal advising students about their flat search at work, she says, and then dealing with this at home. Alice Cole is offered a flat in Hamilton almost immediately, at the second viewing, on her first day looking, and the rent is just $140 a week. Over the summer, she sometimes regrets the decision to move cities, but never for long. Thinking long-term, she says, it'll probably help me to save all that money. Her friends in Wellington end up paying $280 a week, for a flat a 30-minute drive by car from campus. Rebecca Schultz gets lucky. A friend of her sister's needs to fill two rooms. At a central city apartment after some back and forth she arranges to move in with her friend the frustrating part she says is that in the end even after months of looking i didn't get to choose this was the only option after two weeks roughing it at the hostel morgan teague is offered a room at a different central city apartment $258 a week. I won't turn it down, they say. I'm not a gambling person, because I'm not very lucky. Even so, they don't take their possessions out of storage just yet, in case it doesn't work out. Ava finds a room, a converted lounge, at a flat in Newtown, a week before her lease expires. At $175 a week, it's cheaper than her previous flat. The extra $30 doubles her food budget. I guess this is what a good outcome looks like, she says. After 20 viewings, Elizabeth Hodgson and her flatmates still don't have a house. Once, they lose out when another applicant has family connections to the landlord. At another viewing, they feel confident then never hear back. When the group chat finally pings with confirmation of an offer, Hodgson feels numb. It's hard to picture herself in the house. In fact, she's only seen pictures. Her flatmate viewed the Vogeltown flat alone. By that stage, the flatmates were spread too thin across multiple viewings to attend together. The notifications come in a flurry. I'm so happy, says one. I'm screaming with my mum, comes another. Yay, we're not going to be homeless. And this makes Hodgson feel good. Not the house itself. The relief of her flatmates.
0: That was The Great Wellington Flat Hunt on The Long Read from Stuff, written and read by Ethan To Order and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was mixed by Sam Scannell. Stuff's podcast director is Adam Dudding. If you listened via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on The Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us.